Hello, my name is Jessica Owen and I am the Deputy Digital Editor at WTIN and this is the WTIN Podcast. Join me over the next few weeks as I'm joined by an array of guests as we talk about the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and how the textile and apparel industry is responding. Today I am joined by Janelle Bentz and Paul Hewish from Nelson Laboratories. They shed light on the different types of masks available and the types of tests they can use to prove their efficacy, while also telling me about how well the company has adjusted recently. Welcome to the WTIM podcast, both of you, and thank you very much for your time today. It's it's much appreciated. Um, Now, before we get started, for those listening who haven't heard of Nelson Laboratories before, do you mind just telling me a bit about where you're based and what you do? Happy to. Um, We are based in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're actually part of Soterra Health, which is headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. But we were founded in 1985 by Dr. Jerry Nelson and his wife, Linda Nelson. Um, We were acquired then, as I mentioned, by Soterra Health in 2016, and uh, we're currently, our president is currently Jeffrey Nelson. He's the son of Dr. Nelson, so it's been with the the family for all these years. Um, We provide industry-leading testing and expert advisory services for the medical device, pharmaceutical, and tissue industries. We do both microbiological testing as well as analytical laboratory tests. And our company's regarded as a best-in-class partner with, with a strong track record of collaborating with customers to, to solve complex issues, especially things that we're seeing today with the, the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, we are a third-party lab, so we don't manufacture anything. Our, our testing services are, are what we sell and what we're known for. And so in light of the recent coronavirus outbreak then, um, I mean, I've seen that sales of face masks and PPE has just soared. Um, And so through Nelson Labs, because you're involved with microbiological and analytical testing, are you involved then in testing all this PPE that's that's around at the moment? We most certainly are. Um, I have been overseeing the face mask and respirator testing here for just over five years, um, and and our numbers are up tremendously. Can you just paint the picture for me then? I mean, um, how many masks or inquiries would you have before the outbreak, and, and how exactly has that increased? I mean, you said tremendously, but have you got any sort of figures at all? Or So I, I don't personally have too many figures. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had numbers that said we were up 400%, then it was 500%. I've heard numbers that are 800% and 1,000% lately. Um, what I can tell you is that we used to occupy uh, about four laboratories here at Nelson Labs. Um, we've taken over our biggest conference room. We've taken over four other labs and, and we've had help from, I think, just about every other section of the company who's come in to train on some of our testing or some of our, our intake, um, printing off forms, um, preparing samples for testing, learning new tests, and, and it's over doubled our section in the last three weeks. And I expect it to continue growing. Um, Every morning when I come in, there are more studies than there were the day before. (laughs) Um, So can you just tell me about some of the, what you mean by studies? Are these just people who have developed new ideas and want to just sort of test their efficacy and and so on? It's a little bit of everything. Uh, We we call a study anything that comes through the door. Um, There are several 
tests that are required for face masks and different tests that are required for respirators. Um, I can go into lots of detail if you're interested, but each, each test we refer to as a study. And so we'll have, um, you know, a study packet with all of the information that, that we received from our customer and all of the information that's needed for us to perform that test. And, you know, those little packets of paper are usually a small stack on a desk and now they're covering all of the desks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, if you wouldn't mind, could you perhaps shed some light on the different types of face masks and what they should be used for? Um, I think that I read that obviously there are some that pull over the ears and then there are others that are tighter fitting and have filters in. So do you mind just sort of telling me a bit about what's available? Sure. So the the two major separations or, or um, categories of, of masks such as they are, are, are a surgical face mask, um, which is that flat kind of pleated mask that you may see your dentist wear that you, mm. you may see in like an operating theater. Um, the other is a respirator. Uh, those fit closer to the face. Um, and generally, you know, we here in the U.S. will pick them up at our Home Depot if we're going to go out on the weekend doing some yard work that's going to create a lot of dust. Um, so there's different different testing for each type of mask, and that's kind of relevant for the expected use case. Um, mm-hmm. Those surgical masks are meant to prevent the the spread of of germs or bugs from the surgical team to the patient. Um, so they're not really protecting the surgical team at all. And the testing reflects that. Um, the masks are tested for bacterial and particulate filtration efficiency from the inside out. And so we're making sure that anything that came, say, from the surgical team's mouth wouldn't end up in the surgical incision. Um, they're tested for synthetic blood spray, uh, which is meant to protect the surgical team, but from a larger spray of body fluid, um, not necessarily from those small droplets that happen when you sneeze. Um, there's also a flammability test that's required in, in the U.S. just to make sure that if they're in an operating theater that has lasers or anything that might cause ignition, that, that, that's, that those masks are safe to use. Um, there's no fit testing required for that. And, and if you've seen somebody wearing it, you can imagine there's there's gaps around their cheek and there's gaps around their nose. Those, those little gaps that wouldn't necessarily um, allow for, you know, again, something from the surgical team's mouth to end up in an incision. But when that surgical team is inhaling, um, the air that they're breathing is definitely not being filtered by those masks. Um, yeah. Respirators, on the other hand, are made to protect the person who's wearing them. Um, so the, the testing for them is a little bit harsher. There is a particulate filtration efficiency test, but instead of using a fairly large droplet of bacteria um, that uses a fairly small, um, non, non-charged particle of sodium chloride at, at a fairly high flow rate, and it's tested from the outside in. Um, there's breathability mm. tests to make sure that they're fairly comfortable for the person who's wearing them. And then there's a fit test as well to make sure that that seal around the face is is making sure that when you're wearing that respirator and you inhale, that you're not inhaling any any air that hasn't been filtered through that respirator. 
Is it fair to say then that the respirators are those that are more effective in preventing um, the spread of COVID-19 compared to the um, just generic sort of square face masks? That's tough to say. Um, If you're trying to prevent yourself from getting something, then I would definitely recommend a respirator. But those little square face masks are, are made to protect, I guess, you from everyone else. Um, so if I if I were sick but was asymptomatic and was following the CDC's most recent guide to wear a mask when I was out, it would help it would help you not catch something from me um, because I was wearing that mask. Right. Um, and so are you able to tell me a bit about sort of the types of materials that are commonly used when making these masks? Are they sort of synthetic fibres or, or cotton, for example? So we don't always know a ton about what we receive. Um, our, okay. our customers are the experts in that. They're the materials manufacturers. Um, I myself am a biochemist and a microbiologist. So Testing with bacteria, no problem. Um, determining what a face mask is made of by just looking at it, no idea. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, now, I also read on your website that the FDA, which is the US Food and Drug Administration, um, has recently lifted the requirements of face masks to increase availability. Um, do you have any sort of information on this? I mean, is that safe to do? Yeah, that's that's a hard one. The, the FDA have a lot of a lot of smart people, and they've put a great deal of thought into the safety. and And uh, as I was, Janelle uh, reminded me this morning that their their guidance changes depending on the situation from from day to day. Um, I think what they have done is they've never really relaxed this the safety elements, but I think what they're they're saying is they will allow face masks to come in from other locations, other countries, uh, with their certifications where. We haven't had before, and they they also say that uh, that they recognize that there isn't always going to be FDA cleared protective equipment around. And so, if people are making things like you see your neighbors are, are making masks for the the police or for the fire department or things like that, that um, they're not going to penalize people for doing that or get get angry with them or even prosecute them for for trying to make some kind of alternate solution. They just say that where there aren't face masks available that are approved, that improvising is okay. And sometimes healthcare workers will even improvise and they recognize that. And, and they're saying it, it's okay if they can't find anything else. These are dire times. It's unprecedented circumstances. And if you do need to to be creative at some point, that, that they understand. And so that's really the guidance I think we're getting more from the FDA. I don't know if you had a different thought. No, I, I agree with that. And I would say as well that um, they, they haven't re- really lifted the requirements of face masks. Um, they've they've kind of clarified, as Paul said, what those improvised masks are and, and what the imported masks are. Um, and they've also kind of clarified mask usage. Um, so the policy talks about masks um, that are that are made for a medical purpose and masks that are not intended for a medical purpose. Um, And so I think it's, it's helping clarify, you know, which masks should be used for what, when they are available. And then as Paul said, you know, as far as improvising goes, um, we're not going to prosecute you for that if, if you are trying to keep yourself and others safe. Mm. Well, I mean, it's actually quite funny. You mentioned about people improvising because I mean, I've seen, 
us some, I don't know, tweets and things online where I think firstly there was someone on a train in China and they had like a cut up water bottle on their head and just to have that sort of clear plastic visor. Um, so there are some sort of really sort of creative things going on. But I mean, do you think there will be the case that some companies or some people are trying to sort of capitalise on the sort of situation? And do you think counterfeit goods are going to be an issue at all or, or not really? You know, that's that's a hard one for us to say. We, we can't really tell what's counterfeit and, and what's not. I think there are those people out there, the individuals that do try to capitalise and they'll try to, to put something through that hasn't been tested properly. And, and you know, we... We hope that's that's a minor case. We we don't really know how many are out there are fraudulent versus the ones that are have truly gone through all the steps to test it and make sure they're safe. But we're hoping that's that's very much in the minority. That most people are are truly making good good equipment, good materials, and that they're trying their very best to help protect global health. Yeah, I would also say that um, you know I, I hope people are thinking critically about their their choices to try to protect themselves. Uh, a plastic water bottle over your head is going <laughs> to block all of the air, right? And you still have to get air from somewhere. And so the air is going to come again in through those cracks where something that's fabric that you can breathe through may be filtering a little bit. Um, and, and it's possible that something's better than nothing. Um, but again, as Paul said, without having performed those tests, you know, it's difficult to look at something and determine whether it's fraudulent or not. Mm. Um, and so what do you think about companies that have switched their usual production of, say, sportswear or sort of luxury fashion to produce face masks for the outbreak? You know, uh, personally, I think it's I think it's great. I, I applaud their efforts to do that. Um, it's a huge undertaking because to be able to switch production from from let's say sporting goods or you know luxury clothing to a very new regulated industry is, is a challenge because there are a lot of regulatory hurdles you have to go through a lot of testing and and just understanding the materials and how the materials work to let the air flow through it but capture any kind of virus or bacteria it's a challenge for them again totally applaud their efforts i think that's great their hearts are in the in the right place their thoughts are in the right place but, but it's it's a challenge because they have to do a lot to catch up to, to where people are that have been manufacturing this for, for years and decades. <clears throat> and, and it's it's kind of fun because we still get the calls from these people to test and we're happy to test their equipment. But, but a lot of times they call and ask us to help them design the equipment. And that's that's not us. We were, you know, microbiologists and, and chemists and we don't know how to design the, the face mask properly. We can test them for them all, all day long and, and do a great job with that. But that's the only challenge we have is that sometimes they, they want to tie up our facilities and our, our experts saying, how do you design these? And, and honestly, we don't know. That's that's other people's expertise. Yeah. The one thing we do know is that it, it takes quite a bit of expertise and, and time to get a good product. Um, so that that is, again, something that we definitely applaud their their efforts in trying to help, but it's it's maybe not something that you can switch over and do real quickly. Just off the top of your heads, what have been, have you had some like really crazy designs or have they all been pretty generic? Oh, I think a little bit of both. Um, it's tough to say too much without stepping outside of our customer confidentiality uh, circle, but but we've seen some very creative things and, and some things that, you know, look 
look and perform a lot like traditional face masks that are coming from folks who aren't our traditional customers. Mm. Um, and also, I mean, again, like you said, it's not really your area of expertise to talk about design and um, the products themselves. But um, like, do you, do you think it's maybe opened up new markets for companies that haven't sort of um, gone into this sort of sector before? Yeah, honestly, we could only guess on that one. You know, this could continue like this for some time. Hopefully that this pandemic will peak and be over and it will go back to the, the normal manufacturers that make these. But other people may step up, find some great new designs, and uh, they may want to enter this market on a long-term basis. Uh, that really is outside of our, our expertise, again, to see how, how the market will handle this. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's great to see people making the effort. Um, so tell me more about how Nelson Laboratories is operating at the moment then. I mean, clearly you can't work from home like many other people can. So, I mean, what sort of health and safety measures are in place? Yeah, so we do have some folks who can work from home and, and everyone who can is. Um, and that gives us a little more space here for social distancing. Um, I, for example, usually sit down in the lab where all the action is um, but thanks to social distancing, I'm two buildings and two stories away from, from where the lab is. Um, we're doing as much as we can by phone and by teleconference, a lot of emails. We've also implemented a rotating shift schedule. Um, so instead of running one shift in my section like we usually do, we have folks that are coming in early in the morning and, and leaving you know, just afternoon and then folks come in the afternoon and, and stay until later in the evening. That has helped us increase our production as well as increasing social distancing. We've also mm. got some new sanitization and, and hand washing regulations to help ensure that, that we're staying clean, um, both personally with washing our hands and, and keeping the labs clean so that anyone who may happen to touch something and then forget that they shouldn't touch their face, it has has less likelihood of picking something up because we've sanitized that that area more frequently. And how has the company adjusted to that? Is it is it have you been quite surprised at how well people are sort of coping? I think we're doing quite well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people have been amazing of how well they're they're willing to adjust and help. <clears throat> we're a very social company, and and we've even basically shut down our cafeteria and and in our lunchroom we've taken all but two chairs from each table. So we're not able to socialize as much as, as we did on lunch breaks and other breaks. But so now if no more than two people can sit at a table. So that, that makes it a little hard because we are a very, very social company. But at the same time, people have accepted that and, and are holding to that to, to keep themselves and, and everyone else safe. And I'd say, too, it, it's not a surprise to me. Um, part of the reason I love working here is because of the people they are amazing and they adapt quite well. And, and this has just been another example of that. And so what have been the biggest challenges for the company right now? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned about the ways you've had to adjust and sort of the stress levels, maybe, of having so many more inquiries. But what have been the, the real biggest challenges for you? Yeah, and I, I think we can distill that down into to two things. Uh, number one, is, as you mentioned, is meeting meeting increased demand. When your demand increases a thousand percent, it's in just months, it's very hard to adjust to that quickly. And I think that the lab's been amazing doing that. And then secondly, is, is truly maintaining the safety of our staff because we're very concerned about keeping our staff healthy, well, and, 
and also able to do their jobs. What we do is very critical to the world health as a whole. And so we need our people here to do this. We can't, can't, as you mentioned, we can't do it from home and we can't automate it. We need people to do this. So they need to be well. Mm. And and so what do you think maybe the silver lining of this outbreak might be? Just in general terms, maybe outside of face masks, do you think there is anything that we can learn from this situation moving forward? Oh, yeah. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll let Janelle jump in here as well. But I think it's wonderful to see how the world's coming together for the benefit of everyone. Um, as we mentioned earlier, other companies stepping into the healthcare market. This is outside of their expertise. I think there may be a few that are doing that because they see some some profit in doing that. But I think the major, vast majority of them are doing it because they care and they want to to help increase global health. We see people that are sharing their learnings and sometimes even their their intellectual property. And it's just been unprecedented. I think we're going to, going to learn a lot about what's worked well and we're going to emphasize that. And I think we'll also see that there's been some weaknesses in our response systems and we'll learn how to avoid those in the future. But overall, I think we're going to be impressed how well that we as, as, a, as a world people have stepped up to care for each other. Yeah, I, I would agree with that um, 100%. I know as well, some of the folks I've talked to have talked about you know, planning for the future with all of the work we're doing here with this pandemic so that if there is another outbreak, we are better able to step up right away and, and help deal with it. And I know personally as well, um, my friends have noticed my increased workload as we've, you know, talked via text and chat and video chat instead of face to face. And they've been sending me DoorDash and leaving food on my <laughs> my doorstep and checking in to make sure that I'm not too stressed and and coming to take my dog for a walk when I'm at the office late. And and that's just been amazing for me personally. And I'm sure that that's happening all over the world. Mm. I think kindness is something that we're seeing a lot of recently, which is really lovely. Um, now, finally, before I let you both go, I mean, how will you both be sort of individually celebrating once this all blows over? Um, I know personally, I know the social distancing has been hard for a lot of people, but my brother and his wife own a, a ranch in Oregon. And uh, I think I'll take off for a week or two and do a little bit of physical distancing with them, uh, spend some time with my pup and ride their horses and and just check in on my family. And Paul, what about you? Yeah, for, for me, I think the, the first thing is just to go out and greet all my family and friends, all my neighbors. You know, I want to give everybody a hug that I haven't been able to even talk to in, in weeks. So um, I'm excited to have that that interaction. I have a, have a Brand new great niece was just born a couple of days ago, and I'm not even allowed to see her. So that's that's killing me right now. I'd love to go see her and then hold her, and I'm so excited for that. Well, fingers crossed that that day will come a lot sooner than than we uh, expect. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's been great to speak to you both and learn more about sort of the testing side to the situation and <clears throat> and how Nelson Laboratories is sort of responding to the situation. It sounds like you're all sort of adjusting and coping remarkably well. So just thank you very much for your time today and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you.